to the Employer Blueprint Podcast, where we help leaders build great teams for great companies with your host, entrepreneur and leadership coach, Kyle Gorman. The more you grow, the more challenging it may be to uh, create and maintain the company culture that you want. Today's guest um, has a global workforce and helps others uh, actually create a global workforce through virtual assistance. And what I love about this, though, is that he's he's been very intentional about creating the company culture that he wants. So he's, even though he's in multiple states and even multiple countries, he's been intentional about creating a company culture. And the reason I think this is so important and valuable for all of us to understand and hear is because, uh, you know, the moment we open a remote location or even within our own office, we grow and we've got people in multiple offices, uh, even in the same town or in the same office complex. It is easy to uh, to back off of this focus of culture. But the reality is that's when it becomes even more important that we push into the need for a company culture and that we're intentional about the culture that we're creating because your organization will have a company culture. It is there. There's there, It will have a company culture. The question is, are you going to be intentional about what you've created? Are you going to be intentional about the culture that is there? So uh, today's guest provides some great information to us on how they do that in their company and also some great information that may help you in figuring out how you can uh, open some capacity in your schedule to go focus on some more high payoff activities so you can continue to grow and expand. And then as you continue to grow and expand, maintain that focus on your company culture. Uh, Be sure that today you hit that subscribe button, uh, leave us a comment or review. And if you have any questions or if there's a particular topic you'd like to hear about, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to us at podcast at employerblueprint.com. Well, I want to thank you for joining us this week on the Employer Blueprint podcast with our friend Eric Tausig. Um, you know, it is a it is a changing workforce, and things continue to change and evolve around us. Uh, Eric certainly understands this, and in fact, as um, is is helping us in this evolving workforce. Uh, and so, I'm going to let Eric share more about that. Um, but looking forward to, uh, to kind of hearing what he's done and how he's done it and the way this impacts all of us. So, Eric. Uh, first and foremost, thank you for taking the time to come join us and, and share your story and uh, experience. Um, but as we kick things off here, why don't you kind of give us some background and history? Where have you been and how you got to where you are now? Yeah, awesome. Thanks. Uh, eclectic background. Um, I uh, worked in investment banking right before and after business school in New York and Hong Kong. Um, but before that, I was... Um, intensely studying kind of um, uh, international politics, focus on Asia. Uh, so I'd lived around the world. And so when it came time to become an entrepreneur, um, I wanted to combine my interests um, in working cross-border, bringing people together, connecting people, helping people. Um, and so Prialto was kind of a way to combine all those various interests. Mm-hmm. And when did you start uh, Prialto? Yeah, so um, the company is 10 years old. Um, The idea uh, came to me. I was fascinated um, with what 
was going to happen to the workforce and the business world as communication costs went to zero. Mm-hmm. So this was when smartphones were just becoming really usable yeah. and broadband was um, you know, being rolled out uh, to a much larger portion of society. Right, right. And, you know, so you mentioned in there, Eric, that, um, you know, having had the opportunity to work in uh, New York and then over in Hong Kong and, and just sort of um, appreciating and experiencing that, uh, that international workforce. But what was it about that that made you kind of recognize and, and um, identify that there was potentially some opportunity with how the American workforce was going to evolve uh, over the coming years. Because 10 years ago, this was still, I would imagine, very new. You know, now we're hearing more and more about the idea of virtual assistants and things like this. But 10 years ago, that was not at all the norm. So I think things that make economic sense kind of prevail. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so uh, people will adjust Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty easily over the medium term. Um, and I think, you know, I lived long enough to see examples of that. So, yeah. um, you know, I think people don't really realize that um, some of the cultural um, things that we enjoy today were really foreign and weird in the past. Well, that is a very good point. When we continue to evolve in so many ways, uh, just in in even just in the day-to-day use of technology and and the things that we do for entertainment uh, that, that, you know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, we would have never even considered. Um, So, Eric, switching gears here just a little bit, I can hear people out there right now. One of the big concerns that comes up with this type of idea is the communication barrier. you know, people saying, well, this would never work for me. This would never work in my business because of the accents, the dialect. There's just going to be a communication gap that I don't think that we can get over. And I'm sure that you've experienced this. You've heard this. You've dealt with this in the past. How do you respond to people with that concern? I've lived in a lot of different environments. um, And and I've always kind of um, came up in very uh, kind of competitive cosmopolitan environments like Manhattan, San Francisco, Mm -hmm. Hong Kong. Um, And in those environments, you hear different accents um, all day long. You're confronted with people that you know have very different points of view. Mm -hmm. um, And you know that you can find common ground with those people. Um, I think one of the challenges people have in imagining this business model is they've had a bad experience talking to customer service overseas. Right. In India. Um, and so the most common question I would get when I was starting to sell the service was, you know, do they have accents? How good is their English? Yeah. And I think people think that they are objecting to an accent with their, uh, when they have that bad customer service experience, what they're actually objecting to is bad listening skills. Yeah. So it's the non sequitur. It's when you ask that question and the person gives you an answer that mm-hmm. leads you to know that they didn't understand your question. You associate that with an accent, but it's actually not the same thing. And so um, this is important when we're selling because we say, hey, you know, we've, we've got people, especially in South America, who have 
live, maybe gone to high school in the United States, they sound great, but their attention to detail isn't as good necessarily. And so don't, don't judge the person by their accent, judge them by their attention to detail, their ability to listen to questions and to follow through. Yeah. That's a really interesting point, Eric, and I've, I've not really thought about that, but um, but that does make a lot of sense. And you're right. Uh, you know, I, I know that is one of the uh, sort of initial common objections that people have when they think about, um, uh, you know, hiring a, a virtual assistant that's um, that's offshore. Uh, but that's a really interesting point that you make there that that is good for people to understand is that um, the key is this communication because are they listening? Do they understand? Can they solve the problem? Can they take care of the work and recognize the need of the tasks? And um, and ultimately, that's what we're all looking for. Uh, you know, whenever we're looking for someone to be able to assist us in one form or fashion, those are the transferable skills that we're looking for in anyone. Um and uh, so that's a really good point that people need to remember and think about whenever they're considering um, opting into this type of, uh, you know, th- this type of support model. Um, so uh, along those lines, g- give us an idea, what types of people, what types of, of businesses um, do you generally see using this globalized workforce? And what are the benefits? What are the kind of tasks that, that, um, that we can leverage that to help our business with? Yeah, uh, so I think people aren't surprised that businesses can leverage us. Um, mm-hmm. You know, any business of any size has a lot of uh, process behind it, and um, it's not that the process has to be simple. Um, it just has to be ongoing, consistent, um, and uh, we can build some service around it. I think the epiphany for people is that even very small businesses can leverage us now. So about half of our business today is still, um, solopreneurs to, you know, companies of less than 10 people. Mm-hmm. Um, some, some of those are, you know, people that have left a big consulting professional services company and gone out on their own with a few clients and have hung the shingle mm-hmm. outside their door. Um, uh, you know, others are, uh, like I said, you know, kind of up to 10, 10 people. That's kind of half of our business. The other half of our business is, um, is larger corporations, um, 30 to, um, several hundred million dollars, um, where we're supporting a large team of executives or a sales or business development team. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I find really interesting about this is, um, you know, the the concept of what I would call a globalized workforce. Um, You know, one of the common topics that we have on this show is around the recruiting function and just sort of building that team and getting the right people in place. Um, And obviously, uh, you know, whenever you're looking at, at at bringing this type of support system into your model, um, it sort of shifts that need a little bit. It 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 um, um, it it it's a new way of thinking about can I getting internal support? But really, this has a 
big impact on um, the workforce as a whole. And so over the last 10 years, you've obviously seen quite an evolution of this more globalized workforce um, and even just sort of this gig economy that's been created in the American culture of, of uh, solopreneurs and people um, you know, just hiring out for specific aspects of their business and being willing to outsource those things. What do you think, what, what direction do you think we're going long-term um, with this more globalized workforce? How does that impact us on a daily basis and our, our, and our kind of American workforce? And where do you see this going over the next 10 years? Yeah, um, interesting question. I'm thinking about those questions all the time. Um, and I definitely have a point of view and, and I'm kind of aware of the things that um, I don't know the answers for yet. Um, but I think in general, um, you know, company, um, very nimble, very focused, um, because they're going to be operating, operating in an extremely dynamic environment. So, mm -hmm. um, they're going to want to be really clear on what is their special sauce, what's their special focus and wanting to keep overhead really low for anything else. So we say, you know, in terms of what should you outsource, mm -hmm. um, it should be um, important, critical, mission critical, but non-differentiating. So if it's not mission critical, you shouldn't be doing it. Um, but you also shouldn't be doing it if it's not the thing that makes you um, unique. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, you can find less expensive ways to hire somebody in overseas than through us. You can go to one of the marketplaces like Upwork. Mm -hmm. um, but then you're going to have to develop an expertise on how to manage that offshore workforce. Yeah. And that's just not a simple thing. And anyone that's dabbled in it knows that. And so that's where we come in as a managed service. Mm. Yeah. So give me an example, Eric, um, give the audience here an example of, um, most, you know, a lot of the people listening are small business owners, just a few employees or sort of in that startup bootstrap mode. Um, you know, so let's say a professional service provider, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, an independent insurance agency. What, yep. what type of tasks would I have that would make sense to consider this type of option? Um, yeah, so just even really simple things that are, again, simple, but mission critical. So, um, so keeping your contacts organized and making sure you're reaching out to them. Um, I think a professional, independent professional services person is a, is a perfect example. Mm -hmm. Um, every, um, cause, cause there, what you have is you have a, um, a person who's, business development probably uh, is primarily done through referral and that's because it's a high trust sale. Um, the, um, the only way to differentiate yourself as a professional service provider is I'm better than the next guy. Right. The issue for the customer is they don't know you're better until they've tried you. So yeah. that's why the referral from, from somebody they trust is so important. Yeah. Um, so then how do you, keep that business development engine going while you're servicing your clients mm -hmm. really hard, right? Because you got to stay top of mind among your network. Yeah. Um, and that's a whole 
series of processes and, and energy that's maybe not um, simple to balance with the actual work you have to do to service your current customers. Mm-hmm. And that's where we can be really helpful is helping. Um, we have a bunch of people, we call it kind of um, professional mind share management um, where we are helping to you to reach out to your professional and personal network on a consistent basis so that their con they remember you and are referring you to their contacts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good point. And that's, that's something that is, um, you know, for a lot of, uh, small professional service providers out there, um, it's, you know, sometimes we would call that busy work. It's, it's those things that take up quite a bit of our time that are, um, it's valuable. It's important for us to do, but it's not, uh, it doesn't require your knowledge base necessarily of your industry and things like that. They're repeatable behaviors that others can help do for us. And uh, that's a great example of something that we could help offset, um, to, to provide a little more freedom in our schedule uh, to take care of other aspects that, that may be higher, um, uh, just, uh, you know, what we call kind of those, those high payoff activities. Um, yeah. I think another good example, just to kind of make it more vivid, is uh, realtors. Also, I would call them professional services yeah, people. Absolutely. Um, you know, but they're, um, um, they're often on kind of a feast, feast or famine treadmill, right? Mm-hmm. They, they've got a lot of clients. They need to manage those clients to and through a transaction. That's how they get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so when that, so when they're feasting, it's hard for them to remember and to keep um, developing their network. Right. Um, and then also following up with the people that they sold to before, because it's you know in the life um, life of a real estate professional's career, it's mm-hmm. that second, third, fourth wave of buyers mm-hmm. uh, where you're really going to make the most. Um, um, you know, do, do, do the most well for yourself financially. Yeah. And so yeah. just helping those guys, um, stay on top of their networks, giving them content, um, just and excuses to reach out to um, those people. So they remember them. Yeah. yeah when nope. They're buying and selling a home. That's, that's a really good point. And yeah, it's a, it's, it yeah. is a critical thing for longevity, but oftentimes seems like a distraction in the day to day. So that's a great thing to be able to offset, um, leverage the assistance of, of some other people. Um, Eric, so one of the other things that I want us to talk about here is uh, one of the big challenges that comes along with that. And again, kind of a big topic for us oftentimes is this, you know, our, our company culture, our corporate culture. And um, with the type of business that you have here, you're in multiple states and then, of course, even multiple countries. But through that, you have been very intentional about creating and maintaining the company culture that you desire. Over the over the you know the years that you've been in business with this, um, what are some of the challenges that you have faced in trying to do that, and what are some ways that you've been able to kind of create this um, this effective culture across uh, across borders? Yeah, thanks. Um, so this is something that I'm personally you know, super passionate about, and I think um, my leadership team is as well. We really like the Daniel Pink framework um, of, um, you know, the, the, um, for somebody to be driven at work, they need purpose, 
they need mastery and they need autonomy. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, at the same time, we have our tentacles into these different work environments where people, you know, to call a spade a spade, are at different places on kind of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm-hmm. So we we um, um, so while we like the Daniel Pink model, um, and we are always actively applying it, we are sensitive to um, kind of retrofitting it into the different environments into which we work. So so let's take meaning. Um, and pause me anytime you want to dive into any of these. So, so, um, a lot of meaning in what we do in our minds. So, you know, in, uh, roll back before communication technology, uh, communication connectivity, the cost of it went to near zero. Mm -hmm. Um, if you were an ambitious person in a place like Guatemala city or Manila, that might be more peripheral in the world economy. You had one, uh, and your ambition um, kind of exceeded what was available locally. You had one choice, and that was to kind of immigrate to a more central place like New York, San Francisco, mm-hmm. London, Tokyo. Um, today, uh, and, and that and that that wasn't a bad thing. It was actually a great thing for the U.S. Right? We absorbed all this ambitious talent, and it kind of fueled our development. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't always great, you know, but it it was. Sometimes um, the change even here in the U.S. was too fast for people. And then the other thing is it could be very dislocating for the countries from which they were coming. So, um, you know, they were kind of taken from their culture, um, separated from their families. Um, the, um, the money that they would earn in the U.S. usually, you know, very often only a small fraction went back to their families. Today, they can telecommute, um, you know, into New York, mm-hmm. um, from Manila, et cetera. Um, they can effectively, you know, apply their English skills, um, interact with the most driven executives around the world by day, but go home to their families and speak their local language and operate in their local culture at night. Mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty neat thing. Now that making that happen is that turns out that it's actually really difficult because it's all about context. Yeah. And so, um, you know, it, somebody once choked with me and they, they were actually totally serious. Like when I was getting this started, an executive in the U S says, um, Hey, make me a reservation at a romantic restaurant. Um, you know, you and I have a certain image of what that is. Now that may be right. different from New York to Salt Lake city, but sure. think about how different that image is between Salt Lake city in New York and Manila. Right. You know, they might think they might think the newest fast food restaurant cause it's clean. It's modern. You know, right, I would right. just be a non-starter. So we're all about helping to create that context so that we think there's a lot of meaning around that. Um, also helping our customers uh, find cost-effective, um, mm-hmm. flexible ways to deploy talent. So we think there's a lot of meaning all around that. So, um, and then there's, um, so that's the purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's, um, um, there's mastery again, that context. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really hard for, um, you know, it's not that person on the other end of it. It's not that that person on the other end of the customer service line doesn't care. They just don't, you know, if they're trying to solve your travel issue and they've never been through a TSA line, right? they, they may have an extremely high IQ, but they don't have the context. Right. And so uh, we think 
that rather than throwing those people into a marketplace to get yelled at by somebody that's having difficult time training them, mm. um, on our platform, we give them a lot of upfront training, ongoing training, and a cohort of people that they can ask questions from and mm-hmm. and um, and interact with. So that's the um, that's the mastery and then autonomy. Um, the environments where we're hiring in. Um, you know, the alternative job often is working at a computer or bank customer service line where they're talking to a different person every phone call. Mm-hmm. They're getting yelled at all day long because the person's had to go through a, a bunch of teleprompters and, you know, it's taken a half an hour just for that person, for that angry customer to get a human being on the phone. By the time they're even starting the call, you barely have a chance. Uh, as a customer service provider, and then they've got the context issue. Um, so we, and, and the issue in those environments is that those people have very little autonomy to solve your problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they're dealing within a very narrow box of solutions. And so in our environment, um, they're problem solving all day long. And so when they have that purpose we talked about, yeah, um, and when they have that mastery that we're hopefully giving them over time. Now they have the autonomy. Um, it can, you know, when it works, it can be pretty magical. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And I like that framework. Um, I think that's a, it's a great way to sort of, um, to be able to lead people and understand these are things that they, that they are needing. And, 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 uh, it's also very good in your environment and making that right connection. Um, and so, uh, you know, to that point, so let's say that I'm, I'm looking to, uh, outsource, um, uh, in this fashion, uh, what's the process for someone to make sure like that I'm getting connected to the right type of person that has the skill sets that I'm looking for? Cause I think that oftentimes is a fear for someone that is looking to potentially do something like this, or they have a need that they need to, um, outsource, but understanding, well, how am I possibly going to get someone that has the skills that I need? That, that are unique to me and my company and, and kind of my specific needs. So what does that process look like to help make sure that you're matching them with someone that actually, you know, has those skill sets? Yeah, great question. Um, so whether you are dealing with an individual or a service, mm-hmm. I would make sure that they're um, meeting you at least, if not more than halfway and analyzing that question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, because that, um, those initial conversations are really good indicators. Um, if you find a, play, a person on Upwork or you dial up a service and they're just like, oh yeah, we can do anything. We can do it all. Like I would run the other way because they're, um, what they're actually saying is, Hey, I'm willing to be trained. Yeah. And that, that, uh, work of training them and training that con and, and creating that context is going to um, lie at your feet. Um, and if you're a busy, you know, individual entrepreneur, a small company, or even a large company of a a go, go, go type A driven executive, Mm -hmm. you just don't have the time for that. Um, so you need to hear, are they asking you questions? If they're going to do your travel, um, are they, you know, just one step ahead of you asking you for your frequent flyer miles and your preferred seat and all that, or are you having to remember to tell them that? Mm -hmm. Um, If you're, um, 
if you're going to be, if you're going to outsource scheduling, are they asking you how many meetings do you have a day in a week? Um, you know, what kind of customers do you have? Where do they, you know, this sort of thing. Are they like, listen to the kinds of questions they're asking you. Mm-hmm. And if they're asking you questions like, Oh, great. I'm glad you're asking that. I hadn't, I hadn't written that down or I hadn't thought that I right. uh, needed to ask myself that question, but I do. Then, then I think there's some trust there and you can, so, so we, you know, like we, for example, start with a, a need survey. Um, we have plenty of people come on and say, Oh my gosh, I need support tomorrow. I don't have time for this need survey. Yeah. And we say, I'm really sorry, but this thing's designed to save you, uh, slow you down so right. we can go you know, today. So we can go fast tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And you know, if, if that's not right for you, you know, take some time, take a deep breath, come back to us. Cause right. we've had too many people sign on and skip those steps. And then we, we can't do a good job for them and they get angry and they're not a customer in a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. That makes perfectly good sense. And I, you're right. I think that's important. We, we have something similar in our process where we, um, you know, take some time to really get to know the needs and culture and all these types of things. Um, and you're right. It, it can feel like it delays the process, but it's it's for a purpose. It's to make a um, a more cohesive fit later on. So uh, I, I think that's very valuable. And I think it's a good thing that you're doing that. And and really some great advice there too, Eric. And like you say, you know, if they say, "Oh, we do anything, everything, we can do it all," um, that that is a uh, that's a, a great translation to we're willing to learn. And that's sort of the whole point we're looking to outsource is. <laughs> Because we're trying to free up that time. Well, it's hard to free up that time if we are um, trying to spend it training someone constantly how to do how to do these tasks. So, very good advice there, um, Eric. Before we get out, so let let us know how can we learn more about um, your company and the things that you all are doing. Yeah, thanks. Um, so we have a ton of content online. We're really passionate about this stuff, and I love, by the way, the questions you're asking about culture um, because we're working with that all day long. And, um, um, you know, we also have a lot of content on, um, you know, balancing the, um, desire to be kind of inclusive of people's uh, points of view and culture when they're remote, but also the need to have a cohesive company culture. Right. Um, and so we, I wrote a piece on this that you can Google. It's, um, uh, salad bowls and melting pots, right? And so like, you know, it's like, wait, wait, you know, how, how do you, how do you, how do you be a balanced, how do you be a melting pot in your company? Well, you know, kind of honoring everybody's different points of view. And so we yeah. kind of say, hey, focus on the customer, right? Um, yeah. And, but, you know, behind the scenes, let's celebrate each other's, um, you know, various differences and, and enjoy those. But when we're on the phone with the customer, let's have a, Let's have a cohesive personality and okay. Anyway, finding out about us, um, Google Prialto, P-R-I-L-T-O dot com. Um, We've got a blog um, with, I think, some really useful content, whether or not you're going to engage us or not. And um, yeah, always happy to chat with people about um, how they can leverage remote uh, global workforce. some of the things that people ask for, we do. Some of them we don't. And I can generally point people to the right place. 
Well, good, good. Well, thank you, Eric. I appreciate it. It's uh, some great information. Uh, of course, we'll have links uh, to all of those in our show notes. And uh, and certainly, if you have any questions about um, how this might work in your organization, you can reach out to them directly or, or come through us and we'll get that information over and try to connect you. So, uh, Eric, thank you so much for um, sharing this information. Uh, you know, our our workforce is evolving. Um, we we are becoming much more borderless uh, as time goes on, and so companies like yours um, help us. Uh, you know, kind of help us mesh all of these things together, and certainly give us an opportunity to offset some things to free us up to do uh, these higher payoff activities, like we talked about. So. Uh, thank you for what you're doing there, but more importantly, thank you for um, your your desire to um, continue to focus on the the culture of the organization as you do that, and are finding ways to intentionally incorporate um, a, a company culture even in uh, a, you know a global economy. So, thank you uh, for doing that and sharing your information out there with others on how to do that. So, we really appreciate that. Appreciate the work that you're doing. And uh, look forward to staying in touch and, and continuing to see the progress of you and Prialto. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Kyle. And if you're ever in Portland, please look us up. Thanks for joining us on the Employer Blueprint Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show to receive the latest episodes. For more information on how Employer Blueprint can help build great teams in your business, visit employerblueprint.com. Or to inquire about Kyle speaking at your next event, visit kylegorman.com. And until next time, make it a great day. Yeah.